Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. Today, I'm speaking with Chris Lavin, Chief Technology Officer of OneConnext. Chris is an incredibly experienced systems integrator with a wide range of knowledge in the video and video delivery landscape. To date, Chris has managed and implemented plow and delivery systems for over 300 different channels and broadcasters. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the In The Hub podcast, Chris. How are you doing today? Very well, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, mate. And it's um, I think we've been trying to get you on for a little while now. I'm in high demand as of these days. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think we'll just get stuck straight in then, Chris. We've got some good questions here. Um, Let's do it. Awesome. So Chris, before we actually get started in the kind of uh, the meaty questions, could you just kind of fill us in on how you came to be involved in the broadcasting industry? Absolutely. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm, my roots are in IT. So, you know, I'm an IT guy from, from way back, programmer, um, white hat, type hacker, um, all of those things. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've done some interesting things in my early, in my early career, but um, leaving that alone and moving forward. So I, I really got involved in the broadcast industry um, as, uh, as a matter of when the media started converging, right? So the transition from tape um, to file-based workflows is where my expertise started coming into play um, to help serve the, 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 for lack of a better term, the ignorant in, in the, um, in the IT space for, for this type of transition. I mean, a lot of these old engineer guys, they, they had no, they had no roots in, in IT networking, that kind of thing. So, um, so I, I kind of got sucked in and, um, and the reality of who I am is that, um, uh, I'm an opportunist, you know, um, people like to use the word entrepreneur, but the reality is I'm, a, I'm an opportunist. If it's legal, if it's moral, I'm going to do it. Um, and it makes me money. I'm going to do it. Right. So, so that's, that's what sucked me in. I got sucked in by the vacuum of, of the lack of knowledge in that industry. And uh, it was interesting. You brought up obviously the, these kind of hardcore tech guys who had no roots in, in this kind of digital world. Did you find they were kind of really reluctant to change as well? Were they? You know- so what? Here's the reality, right? So again, I'm an entrepreneur, and pretty much I've always worked for myself. So the reality is, is um, there's something in the broadcast industry where, where if you're an engineer and you always did what you always done, and it's always been successful, you didn't get fired if things went awry. Um, if you try something new and things go awry, you've got you've got a chance of of getting fired. So. Again, being the entrepreneur that I am, um, I realized early on that there would have to be something that drove this change. And what drives change? It's money, right? It's money. So <laughs> the reality is, is if you could go to the CFO of a company and um, and prove to him that, that he could become a more efficient or you know leading edge, whereas he offers something that his competitors don't have. Um, that drove the engineers to make the changes because now the responsibility of making those decisions could be pushed up, right? So, you know, the CFO made us do this. It didn't work. It's his fault. I haven't had one of the, one of the things, one of the, my best character um, assets and flaws is, is that I don't fail, right? At any cost, I just don't That's fail. a good call. So as, as a result well. of that, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. Sometimes <laughs> people say you can't let go, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, uh, that, that's been the driving force to motivate the engineers to make the change. Um, and because I have early on, you know, I, I was into pack, um, ham radio and I understood RF and, and I understand broadcast. I was able to at least start talking the languages of the old school engineers, you know, um, and, and when, where I was ignorant, 
I'm one of those people that I don't allow my ego to get in the way because I have found that there's some, this most people, if you're honest with them and say, I don't understand it, I need some help. I'm more than willing to help you. And you, you build a bond that way, build a bond that way. So that has been how I've overcome those, those roadblocks to, to success. Yeah, and I, I think I kind of already know what might be the answer to this question, but is there something that you can boil it all down to, like a, one particular kind of thing that has kept you hooked in the broadcasting industry? Because, you, you know, as a kind of, I want to say entrepreneur, constantly looking for kind of new opportunities, why is it broadcasting that's kept you hooked? Um, because back to that whole engineering mentality, um, when you're dealing in the engineering space, generally – um, engineers do what they do to have a successful outcome. They don't look outside the box, right? So one of the things that has keep, kept me hooked is is just my career path specifically because I'm in a lot of those situations where this guy works in this box, that's all he does. This guy works in this box, that's all he does. This guy works in this box, that's all he does. But this guy over here is solving a problem that this guy has, so I'm exposed to his solutions so that when I come over here and this guy has that problem, I'm a hero. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. It's a great way of doing so things. It, it's that um, solving people's problems and issues yeah. um, that really has has kept me hooked. Right, I, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that really thrives on on, on making those little successes. So yeah, obviously, uh, Chris, you will have kind of witnessed a lot of change within your career within broadcasting, um, and obviously, play out especially. Um, obviously taking on roles as, as chief techn- technology officer and, and CTO at various various companies. So how do you keep on top of the constant change within our industry? And it's uh, I say that because when I came into this industry, one of the first things that struck out to me was every day there is a new technology uh, that, that some people are paying a lot of attention to. A lot of people are you know um, talking down and saying it will never become a big thing. So how have you kind of stayed on top of that change, but also selected the ones that you think are actually going to be beneficial? Um, again, back to my roots as an entrepreneur and an opportunist, right? So um, there's always the the industry buzzword that's happening, right? Let's go back to 3D TV. You know, it was this big, everybody had to have 3D TV. I've got two of them. I think I've watched one 3D movie at home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's been the way of, of, of a lot of the, the, the consumer-driven stuff. Um, a lot of the changes that I have, seen, the biggest change or the biggest impactful change that I see is back to, you know, file um, transition from tape to file based workflows. Um, the cool thing about that, right, is that transition of of, of the, the, the stereotypical or the old stereotypical brick and mortar type broadcast facility. It, it's really become more and more to the wayside where people are virtualizing, going to the cloud, playing out from the cloud. Um, and the cool, the absolutely wonderful thing about that is it's given access or a, a more level playing field like the World Wide Web did for, you know, against my small company, against IBM, only limited by our creativity, right? So now that the, the barriers to entry are not these $100,000 playout systems you used to get from, you know, Avid, Airplays and all that stuff. Now, uh, economically, a small guy with some creativity and has the ability to um, has the ability to create content can get in the middle of, of the mix and start putting out his own content. You know, bring in IE YouTube and and several other um, uh, form media or platforms for media to get out there. And boom! Now all of a sudden we've got you know kids in Miami that are twenty years old making millions of dollars on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so all of these things are dynamic. 
And let me tell you that uh, I'm very egotistical, right? Let me straight up with you. I'm very <laughs> egotistical. I'm a self-proclaimed expert. Um, and, <laughs> and what happens to me every year or up until this year is I walk into NAB and realize how small I am in the world of podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's always this humbling experience. So the reality is this. There are several avenues with which I, I, I get exposed to new technologies. It's Again, back to me being an integrator, going into different facilities, seeing how other people are solving problems. But then there's that that NAB man, where you go in there and people are putting their wares out, and and I'm drawn to the tech, man. I'm I'm, I'm a geek at nature, and I'm drawn to the tech and and the cool new ways to do things. And and the last one of the other personality flaws that I have is is that I'm a gambler, right? So I'll go in there. I mean, there's this guy in, in England who um, who's just a great great guy, and I met him when he was a kid, and he wrote an encoder. Um, it was called OBS, um, yes. Open Broadcast Systems, right? So I, I love this kid, Karen, and, and, and I've watched him grow up in the industry and built a multi-million dollar company. But when he was just one guy writing the software, I jumped on board and, was, uh, and, was, and, and jumped on the wave very, very early on. And we've been partners ever since. You know, I, uh, I work with him on a day-to-day basis, you know, and he's there, based in London as well. Yes, you know? yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I forget what the question was. Oh, that's how I came up with the concentration of the industry. I just exposed myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a kind of a, quite a convoluted way of, of me getting around to it, but I think you answered it really well there, Chris. And um, honestly, I think, like you said, obviously gambling nature as well, that all fits into being this kind of entrepreneurial uh, person and having to take some risks. Um, and like you said, you don't fail, Chris, which is always a good point. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I know it'd be quite it would be quite hard to kind of single out a uh, a project here but so you can name multiple ones if if you wish. Um Man, I got one. You I have got, got one. one. I got one. <laughs> that might be our so- first ever guest who, who is okay with with favoritism basically and, and singling one out which is honestly Chris that's made my day. Um Have there been any uh, okay Let's get to it. What, is, what has been your favorite kind of project? Okay, so not necessarily my f- favorite, but my most, uh, you know, that one project where you go, man, I did that. I, yeah. I did that. So um, I was involved in, in your, your, you're in the UK, so yes. um, this is not first nature to you, so let me explain to you. The NCAA is a national collegiate um, conference that oversees all college sports. Um, there was a company, there is a company based in, uh, at the time they were based in, in north of Orlando, Florida, and I was based in Orlando at the time. And, uh, this company literally ingests every football, soccer, every college event played. And what they do is they do, they cut highlights for this. They, they, they do statistics. They do, do all of this stuff. This is massive project. So, you know, on the weekend, there'd be, you know, four or 500 games come in, um, on a weekend. So I completely designed the complete broadcast infrastructure, utilizing IP, right, to bring all of these games back to a centralized location um, for them to do these, 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 these highlights and these edits. And I developed the technology so that literally by the time the game was done, they were a- you were able to search to the play for every play that happened in the game. They were doing these live ingests. And this is 10 years ago, man. We were doing live ingests and live edit while stuff was coming in. Um, to push to the web and to what the, their portal, which I'm not going to name because it's, it's copyrighted, um, but they had this web, web-based portal where um, news outlets could come in and pull down, you know, one or two minute highlight clips, um, so so that they could go go to go to broadcast literally at the conclusion of the game. Yeah. 
Um, it was an immense project. I did it single-handedly. Um, and it was successful, man. And I'll never forget that first week, that first weekend, I literally worked two and a half days without sleep (laughs) to, you know, at the launch. Um, and, and it was the most, uh, uh, physically devastating and and at the same time, psychologically rewarding, um, launch I've ever been on. And and so that, that's my, my, I don't know. I don't want to say biggest achievement, but the most heartfelt, you know, grasping of, of, of in that chest success um, that I've had. <laughs> and it, it doesn't always need to be the kind of biggest, you know, most money made achievement, does it? It's, it's got to be that one that kind of stimulates you as a person. But as a result of that, that company sold for over a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I got none of that. <laughs> <laughs> to think that was 10, 10 years ago as well, that that started is, is just insane to me. Um, exactly. to even overcome that mental hurdle of thinking right can we do this Let, let's start doing it do you know what i mean uh, <laughs> that's exactly. incredible honestly exactly. um so chris just kind of moving alongside that um i read an article lately um i, I think you were being interviewed or it might have been a press release or something like that um and it stated that you've kind of managed or implemented um play out and delivery systems for well over about 300 uh, different channels or broadcasters during your career that's accurate so i guess my question is does kind of systems integration uh, you know as an activity as a process does that ever get easier for you or are there always with every new project uh, different challenges coming in that, that kind of throw you aside well um one of the things that that is common in this industry is um is people Right. And uh, users create issues. Right. So um, I can create a, a nearly, quote unquote, perfect, a bulletproof se- uh, scenario. Or, as I like to say, I can make something idiot resistant. Right. <laughs> because you can't make things idiot proof because every time you make things idiot proof, they build a better idiot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, the amazing thing is, is really the issue as we develop new technologies and implement new new um rollouts it's always the people it's like you can't you can't really cover everything that's going to happen um so my biggest challenge is that that human human piece that human piece of of what's happening and i have again the the business ownership mentality so i I have that and so when you transition um the care of of a play out or broadcast chain to somebody that's just collecting a paycheck at you know minimum wage or something the same level of concern and care is just not there. And, um, and so that always becomes a factor. With regards to the technology, man, um, the technology is always ever evol- evolving. And this world has become small, right? This world has, has become a very small place. And we deal internationally with vendors and, and, and software developers. And there's stuff in the U.S. that's, that's uh, very distinct to the US, such as closed captioning and other, you know, um, other standards that the Norm Act and all that stuff that we have to be, or we have to be conscious of that doesn't, uh, doesn't exist in other parts of the world. So there's always that challenge sometimes when a, a vendor releases a new product, and I'm not going to name any vendors at this point, but they release a new product or an upgraded product. And they forget about that, right? They forget about our closed captioning necessities or, or the, the things that we've got to be conscious of here in the U.S. So <clears throat> that is the struggle, you know. And then there's always the platform, right? Um, Microsoft is, <clears throat> has made it impossible for you not to update their platforms, right? They've implemented technology in their operating systems that, um, that always continues to, to, 
to update. And I understand the mentality behind that. It's to protect the operating system, protect, you know, um, the systems from being being uh, being hijacked by by third parties and hackers and the people that want to do nefarious things. But at the same time, in their um, in their angst or in their their strive to to make things bulletproof they destroyed my products <laughs> um so yeah those are the biggest challenges is people and the evolving technology believe it or not that 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 creates um creates issues for us so moving to ott as a topic and it's it's one that you obviously have quite a lot of experience in as a kind of delivery mechanism seeing ott over the top video kind of go from what it w- once was you know thought of as quite risky um you know a bit up in the air um literally uh to <laughs> now you know it's 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 gained a lot of trust hasn't it and a lot of kind of reliability um especially over the kind of last decade um as a way of getting you know standard definition high definition even ultra high definition content um out to people do you think ott still kind of has a case to make to its doubters or do you think it has now solidified itself as you know um a, a really credible way of delivering content for the future of broadcasting let me answer that question in a very peculiar way so where you sit in the world the concept of ott is complete and we had an ott platform um that we partnered with somebody and spun up and um and really the ott platform was to add a a left hand to the right hand that our core business is which is video transport but but let me answer that in 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 this united states ott is brutal right there's there's very few key players and they're large players like you know i've got this new home i'm living in uh I've got the second home. I'm in the mountains of, of North Carolina and I, I don't have cell phone service, but I have a gig of internet to my cabin. So um, I have AT&T OTT platform on my, on my smart televisions. Right. Um, and and it, it's pretty good. You know, it's got, the, it's got its issues. Those are the type of players that dominate the OTT market here in the United States In the rest of the, Oh, and by the way, the United States um, and, you know, excuse me, everybody, but we're the only idiots in the world that pay $300 a month for television. You know, you go over to Eastern Europe, you you pay $25 and you get a gig of internet. You know, I'm, I'm exaggerating a wee bit. You, you pay $25. Right <laughs> you get a hundred channels, a gig of internet, yeah. and people go crazy if there's a commercial on those pay channels that you pay for, right? Um, so there's two different OTT um, personalities, let's say, yeah, okay. um, the United States where it's dominated by big players. And then the rest of the world, we're back to, you know, that, that barrier to entry that was originally once there, which was cost to those little players that have, have got content, man. You know, I know of, of hundreds of, of Bollywood type channels that are out there that are distributed internationally. And, but for OTT, they wouldn't be. Um, you know, and there's a whole bunch of, of very um, international content that's available to pay people that have been expatriated to other countries where they get to see that taste of home, not for OTT, they wouldn't be able to do that. So um, OTT has got its place, man. And, 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 and I'm happy to say that, that, that it's growing. But, you know, once again, the, the, the American ignorance, for lack of a better term, um, you know, and, 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 and we are, we're like sheep, you know, who pays $300 in the world for television, but Americans. Um, 
and, and we watch commercials. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, it doesn't happen elsewhere. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's, um, it is interesting you said that. And I, I hadn't really thought about it until then, just how different it is. And me watching shows, obviously based in the UK, and, and I was hearing cable, 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 and stuff like that. And that uh-huh. kind, of, kind of, you know, uh, it, it was just a wholly American thing at that point. Um you know, and it always just seems so far out of reach, and like you said, really high cost. But um, so no, it's an interesting comparing them exactly. against each other. Exactly. So just moving quickly on to One Connect. Um, for anyone who doesn't know already, what services do you guys provide as a company? Okay, so One Connect um, primary business is transport, right? So um, initially, we were we had wanted to become a dis- a disruptor in the in the satellite industry. Um, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that was not smart. Um, that was not smart at all because, um, uh, we, we immediately gained some, some very large enemies. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. So back to the mindset of allowing, um, the small companies to come in and play with the big companies. What one connects has, has done is we partnered with. Um, the satellite transport companies, right? So um, in the international broadcast world, if you understand how satellite works, if you get content in, let's say, Beirut, Lebanon, and you want to broadcast in the United States, you have two uplinks that you need to deal with. You need to get over to the United States and then you via satellite, and then you need to get put up um, for distribution on, on the continent of the US. US. And this is just one, one example. So initially, like I said, we wanted to compete against the cable companies, because I mean, against the satellite companies because we were ex- exceedingly inexpensive compared to a satellite uplink. Um, we've learned that if we work with them and we deal with that first international link, right, so that you don't need that first $35,000 a month link, get the video transported from Beirut, Lebanon. You know, I keep this as an example because we have a music channel there. Um, get it transported to the United States for, for continental U.S. distribution. The barrier to entry is reduced by $30,000 a month for that um, for that small small company that wouldn't have been able to do it. Which is huge, isn't it, to a small company? Yeah, 100%. Be able to do it. It, you know, obviously we talked about those kind of small companies that can get on this level playing field. Who do you find your most common type of customer is at One Connect, and why do you think this is? Um, well, so we, we've evolved. Initially, we were we were twenty four hour twenty four seven live play, but we've we we we've got a technology that is so robust that um, we're we, we're actually faster than satellite. Like I don't know I don't know how else to put it. So we are able to deliver video with lower latency than you can on satellite. So we have moved into space spaces, and this was helped by COVID, believe it or not, because when when COVID was was first locked down, um, sporting events stopped. Right. So one of the mandates when sporting events started um, started coming back was small platform, a small footprint rather. Um, so I could be on site, let's say, or one of my guys could be on site with a with a one RU encoder, and we could do everything that was done, being done in an ENG sat truck. One guy, one encoder, replaces six guys. Right. So as a result of that, we got brought into the tennis channel. The tennis channel, there was a bunch, the first live matches for the tennis channel were actually done in West Palm Beach because there are a bunch of rich people that are there. And they have their, you know, they have these, these private, um, these private um, tennis courts where they were holding these events um, for, for, for tennis matches. And we were able to broadcast them and get them back to the tennis channel and broadcast nationally. And it was, it was like, holy cow. Well, so um, that really got us into the into the arena, exposed in that tier tier one sports because um, they realized that we were faster than satellite. So then, what happened from there is we went into um, 
as COVID released, they, they were brought in sat trucks, right? Because engineers had never been fired for doing what they've always done and it worked. So they were comparing our signals side by side with a sat truck and realized that A, the video quality was higher coming through our stuff and B, it was showing up before the satellite. So they immediately started adopting us and we're significantly cheaper. It was significantly cheaper to do a transport with us versus, you know, rent the sat truck. We don't have broadcast windows where we've got to schedule sat, sat time and all that stuff. So bam, we, we, we got into the sport in the sports market. And since then, you know, um, we're, we're in CBS sports, we're in CBS interactive, um, every college uh, basketball game um, that you saw over the past year on NBC sports network was brought to you by one connect. Right. So we have everything from those inexpensive guys that want to get on, on the air. We've also dealt with tier one shopping networks. We have them 24 seven. We have a lot of religious channels that we've delivered to dish and direct. Um, we delivered, delivered to the endpoints for them as other, as far as other MSOs. So we have a wide gamut of, of customer base, um, everywhere that they previously used satellite, they can use one connect. Yeah, and I've got to say, looking at the website and everything, it really is quite an impressive kind of client portfolio for you guys. Um, And, you know, with all that kind of excitement going on and uh, as it has in the past year, uh, where do you see OneConnect progressing to in the future? Can can you even see that far ahead yet or are you just kind of rolling with it as it comes? Um, Absolutely, 100%. Um, There is some, some, some names I can't discuss, but let me tell you what we're doing without divulging um, who they are. So... Those old satellite companies that used to hate us, right? Um, they they've become uh, because of the five G crunch in the United States. You know, we've lost half of the C band bandwidth. So they've either got to launch a whole bunch more satellites or figure something out. So one of the big sports networks that has four letters and um, here in the United States, um, we're actually started with them. We deliver. I'm involved in another company called um, called CrewSat, which we deliver all the television to um, cruise ships via satellite, right? So, and we transport that stuff into our aggregation, um, into our aggregation uplink centers via OneConnect. So as a result of us doing the NFL Sunday ticket um, with that large sports network, um, they looked at us and said, what else can you do? Because this whole satellite crunch is A, becoming significantly more costly and B, it's becoming more difficult to manage. So we're in negotiations to handle all of the terrestrial broadcasts for that large uh, sports network um, as they transition to to IP. Um, so the next year, I see us um, continuing to get into that market um, and expand our, our our services and our offerings back to now that we have the satellite uplink centers. Right, we're 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 in as part of our larger company. We own we have satellite uplink centers um with the piece of one connects coming into that umbrella we're now uh, we're now able to do things like originate for these people that want to do these ott plays and deliver to any any place in the world and as our technology evolves in response to the market we have you know we're, we're compatible with more and more delivery you know uh, architectures are we deliver rtmp we deliver secure rtmp risk we do it all so, um, so that's that's what we see in the in the future to offer more package solutions as as we grow the the transport business. It sounds like really exciting times ahead, Chris. To be honest, could be. Um, <laughs> really well could done be. to you guys for all the work you have been doing, um, and it's, it's great to see you succeeding. So, uh, this is a question that we ask at the end of every podcast, and it, it might be quite hard, might be quite easy for you, Chris. 
Um, mm-hmm. But in, if you could boil it down into one word and one word only, what do you envision for the future of the broadcasting industry? And then obviously you can expand afterwards. Change. Um, absolute change. Um, you know, like everything else going on in the world, um, if, if the industry doesn't respond to the change of, of consumers viewing habits, then it's going to die or, or what's going to happen is the, the big, the big players in the industry are just going to go away. I mean, I'm, I'm still old school, right? I like watching a certain show at 10 o'clock on Thursday nights and yada, 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 um, where the next generation of folks that that's nowhere near the case. Um, uh, they, they want to watch TV when they want to watch TV. So if these large players, these large content um, licensors, um, don't respond to that they're, they're going to die so change with the times yeah. man. no i completely agree and i think yeah there are the occasional outlier where i'll see something on linear tv that i will schedule to watch at 10 p.m but again i, I consume all these clips on social media uh you know I'm always <laughs> yeah. on netflix uh, amazon prime subscribe to loads of them so it's yeah I'd, yeah definitely change and I, I think you know we could soon see this kind of really embracing hybrid stuff and it'll be interesting to see how that how that works out so a mixture of all all of those kind of avenues um and all of those channels because there's still some of us left that like watching uh tv believe it or not um so just to finish on then chris are there any kind of exciting projects that you've got in the pipeline at the moment that you're allowed to talk to us about it's okay if if you're not well there's that there's that one that i was telling you about the terrestrial uh the terrestrial broadcast for the, for the sporting network um the other thing is like I, like i was hinted at earlier um we've we've started a, a we, the, our umbrella company started a, a service called CruSat, where we're delivering television to um to cruise ships all over the world um and we're we're looking to expand that footprint and you know things were going great um and the, the curve of growth was absolutely phenomenal until covid did right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so as, yeah. Yeah, as covid dissipates you know, you know we're finally being allowed to back on the cruise ships to do some work um so i, I see that you know in the next three months that the, the cruise ships are going to start sailing and then we can start um start once again on our world domination of television on cruise ships yeah so that's, no, next, that's next brilliant. For us. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant honestly i hadn't even thought for a second how cruise ships managed to get their their kind of signals and their you know actually get content on their tvs mm-hmm. um and you've you've honestly reminded me that that kind of thing exists to be it honest and it's really important isn't it <laughs> it is it really is um so chris how can people get in touch with you or one connects uh if they want to get in touch and ask about anything um best way to do is is uh, to come to come to our website there's there's links there and you can learn a little bit more about what we do and how we do it and the website is www.oneconnects.com that's spelled o-n-e-c-o-n-n-x-t.com to click on sales or my contact information is there and i'm always available for any type of questions or inquiries brilliant all right thank you very much then chris that was a, a brilliant thanks episode. for the opportunity to, to spend some time with you no, and it's great to speak to you as well thank you chris perfect thank you